Welcome to Circle 3 Cowboy Fellowship's podcast. We are patriots, unafraid and unashamed to speak the truth and spread the gospel. Today's message is from Gary Lear. Thanks for joining us. Enjoy the show. Many of you who have been in church or maybe have had your kids in church, you, you might recognize the the lyrics to this song, I remember this song from when I was in Sunday school. I grew up in the church. I tell people I spent most of my childhood, my parents kept me drugged. Uh, they literally kept me drugged because they kept me drugged into church every weekend. And uh, I remember having to go to Sunday school and junior church, and this was Sunday morning, Sunday evening, and Wednesday night. I mean, so I was, I was drugged up real good at times. But anyhow, one of the little songs that we used to sing in Sunday school, and I'll never forget it, has a lyric that goes like this, Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you, so let's just praise the Lord. How many of you have heard that? All right. Gene, I know that's right down your alley. Matter of fact, I'm not certain I haven't heard you do that at camp, but anyhow. But to me, that begs the question, Father Abraham, let's see, my dad's name's Gary, and and uh, his dad's name, Herman, and, and go on back. I don't have an Abraham in my family that I'm aware of. Not immediate. Actually, take that back. I think my grandfather's late, great-grandfather's name might have been Abraham. But anyhow, the Abraham they're talking about, I'm sitting here thinking, am I related to him somehow? I'm not Hebrew. I'm not Israelite that I'm aware of. You know, I told the church this morning, I'm kind of like a Heinz 57 mutt. I got just a little bit of everything all mixed up in one wonderful package. Right, Cindy? wherever Cindy went. She left before I got to that part. Yeah, I don't blame her. But Father Abraham, how does that work? I am one of them and so are you. So uh, I got to digging into that a little bit. Well, I think if we want to understand kind of what that lyric is talking about, kind of what the Apostle Paul is talking about in Romans, which we'll get to here in a little bit, we need to go back and we need to start in Genesis. And since we're doing baptisms this evening, I'm going to try speed this up just a little bit. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm going to paraphrase, but I am going to be paraphrasing from Genesis chapter 15, 12 through 21. Basically what we have is Abram, a man named Abram, who was a, a man of God who, who loved the Lord in the Old Testament. And, and Abram, it says, uh, made a covenant with God. God made a covenant with Abram. He said, you're a righteous man. I want to make a covenant with you. And he promised to Abram that his descendants, he would give the land from the Wadi River in Egypt to the great river Euphrates in the land of Canaanites, Kezanites, so forth and so on. I read them all this morning, but we're on a time crunch here, so we're not going to go through them all. So that's kind of what the deal, that's kind of what we know as the Abrahamic covenant. The, the deal that God made with Abraham. Because you're a righteous man, I'm going to give your descendants all of this land. So I got to looking on the map on Google Earth. I mean, how many of you use Google Earth? That's handy. I like it. I know Donnie takes vacations on Google Earth once a week at least. Once, every night, every night. So, um, (laughs) that's sad. (laughs) He needs a vacation. Anybody knows how to run a water system, talk to Donnie. Go relieve the man so he can go somewhere. All right. But God made this covenant with Abram. His name was Abram at the time that they talked about this. And he said, I give you all this land. So I get on Google Earth and I start looking because I know that the covenant that God made with Abram was the covenant that established the country that we know as Israel. 
It was a promised land. And I'm looking at it, and it's from the, uh, the Wadi River, or some call it the Egyptian River, all the way to the Euphrates River. And I'm looking at that, I'm thinking, wait a minute, this doesn't make sense. And I start digging, and the Euphrates River is nowhere near Israel. If you're familiar with that geography at all, the Euphrates River comes down through Syria and becomes the border, the, the, the western border of Iraq, between Iraq and Iran, and goes all the way down and spills out into the northern end of the Mediterranean Sea. And Israel is all the way on the other side of Saudi Arabia and Jordan, not even close, and I'm thinking, oh, wait a minute. So I start looking, Old Testament boundaries of where Israel, I'm thinking, I don't remember Israel ever going that far. Damascus never was part of Israel that I was aware of. And so I start looking at all of this, and it wasn't adding up. So I dug into Scripture because I know God is true to His Word. I know God doesn't tell false things. I know God doesn't make false promises. And if He promised Abram that His descendants would inherit that land, why didn't they inherit the land was my question. So I started digging even further. And that brought me over to Genesis chapter 16, verse 1 through 12. Now, I'll just paraphrase this one again. Abram had a wife named Sarai. They later become known as Abraham and Sarah. But at the time, Sarai was barren. She couldn't bear any children. She was 90 years old already. Pushing it. Pushing 90 years old. She probably Well, she'd have been in her 80s, early 80s when this took place. But nonetheless, Sarai finally came to Abram and said, Since I can't bear you any children, I want you to take my slave, Hagar, as your wife, second wife, and have a child with her and we'll raise our family off of that. Abram should have known better, first of all. That's never okay, guys. Never okay. But he did. And Hagar got pregnant. And it wasn't no time at all. And Hagar and Sarai are like this. I wonder why. Don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure that one out. So Sarai comes to Abram and complains, and Abram says, well, she's your slave. Do with her what you want. So Sarai got on her. They got into a fight. Hagar left. Hagar gets approached by an angel. It says, where are you going? What are you doing? And she's told, and he says, no, you need to go back. He said, you're going to have a son named Ishmael, and he will have, his descendants will be many nations. And so she went back. Apparently, they figured out how to make it work, I guess. And Ishmael was born, and Ishmael was the firstborn of Abram. What you need to know about Ishmael is this. Ishmael is the father of the Arabs, the Arab nation. So when God promised that the descendants of Abraham would inherit that land, which is known as Saudi Arabia, Iraq, Syria, all of those countries, they do. He didn't say it would be the descendants of Jacob. He said your descendants would inherit all of this land. How many of you have heard of the Abraham Accord? That's new news. That's happening now. The Abraham Accord is a peace deal brokered by Donald Trump between Israel and the United Arabs, United Arab Emirates. It's a UAE. It's a deal that establishes a race, the relationship between a Muslim nation, an Arab nation, and an is, and Israel to normalize their relationship. 
I, I read this morning phone lines are being put in directly there now with the first direct flight from Israel to, I think it was Tel Aviv, over to the UAE happened last week or a week and a half ago. This is a peace deal between the Arabs and Israel. Now, I'm going to go ahead and I am going to read this one little scripture that God promised Moses about his son Ishmael. It says, you shall name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard your misery. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand against him. And he will live in hostility towards all of his brothers. I'm going to put that in cowboy terms. I told the group this morning they're a little bit more churched than most of you are. said, if this offends you too dadgum bad, I've got the microphone. But basically what God is saying is Ishmael's going to be a jackass. I mean, let's just put it the way it is. That's what he said. He's going to not get along with any of his brothers. He's not going to get along with anybody. He's just going to be a straight-up jackass. Now, tell me. What do we see over there now? What do we see the Arabs? How are the Arabs acting? There you go. Whoever said it hit the nail on the head. But what we have happening right now is a peace accord. So I looked up the meaning of accord. And the meaning of accord is the restoring of relationship, harmony. So what's happening here is a a relationship between the descendants of Ishmael and the Israelites is being established. Just today I read, well, I heard it a couple of days ago, but I read it again today on on, uh, Newsrail, that the kingdom of Bahrain now is signing on to the peace accord. So this thing is beginning to grow. God promises that in the end times there will be a peace treaty, a seven-year peace treaty that will be brokered. And then it will be broken three and a half years in. Is this the treaty? I don't know. Since this all began, I have been swarmed with text messages and emails. Is this the treaty? Should I start counting seven years? Let me give you my answer to that. How in the heck am I supposed to know? That's my answer. It could be. We could be moving in that direction. If you want to know the truth, no, I don't think this treaty, I don't think you start counting seven years yet. I don't think enough has happened. But I think we're moving in that direction. I can tell you this. Whatever peace treaty that is brokered between the descendants of Ishmael and the Israelites will never hold. Because God prophesied they're never going to get along. Ishmael is going to be a jack, you know what. And that's the way he's going to treat everybody. So God went on in Genesis. Genesis chapter 17, verses 1 through 8, and then 15 through 21. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. And then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abram fell face down. And God said to him, as for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you and kings will come to you. And I will establish my covenant as everlasting covenant between me and you. 
and your descendants after you for generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan where you now reside as a foreigner, I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you. I will be their God. God also said to Abram, as for Sarai, your wife, you no longer call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be a mother of nations, kings of people who will come from her. Then Abram fell face down and laughed and said to himself, Will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of ninety? And Abram said to God, If only Ishmael might live under your blessing. Then God said, Yes, but your wife Sarah will bear you a son, and you will call him Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant. For his descendants after him, and for Ishmael, I have heard you, and I will surely bless him. I will make him fruitful and will greatly increase his numbers. He will be the father of twelve rulers, and I will make him into a great nation. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, for whom Sarah will bear you by this time next year. Sarah was 90 years old. Bless her heart. All I want to say is, Betty, there's still hope. No. <laughs> you might be a little older than Sarah was, but you're not as old as uh, uh, Abraham was, so just saying. I'm 50 years old, and I can't imagine. Matter of fact, I told Cindy a long time ago, if anything ever happens and you get pregnant, I'm leaving and I'll be back in 20 years. <laughs> so God made his covenant through Isaac and we know what that covenant was that was the Abrahamic covenant and that was the birth of the Israelite nation the, the Hebrew people God prophesied all the way up and I kind of paraphrased and I skipped over it but he prophesied early on that the descendants of Abraham would be held captive for 400 years and then they would come out of captivity he basically prophesied the captivity that took place in Egypt. He called it right down to the T. And we know that then, after the captivity in Egypt, Moses came onto the scene and brought them out. We know there was a Mosaic covenant, and it was a deal. You keep my laws, and you will be my chosen people. And they were God's chosen people. What are some of the benefits of being God's chosen people? Well, if we look back in history, we can see how God blessed Israel. We can see how God fought to defend Israel. He looked out for them. He loved them. Those who kept his laws gained everlasting life. We know to this day that Abraham is in heaven with God. And we know that Moses is in heaven with God. And we know all this to be true. So some of the things that God did, you know, the Pharaoh's army was pursuing them after they came out of Egypt. And God brought them right up to the Red Sea. And it looked like they were hemmed in. But what happened? God parted the Red Sea. Moses was obedient. It was the power of God that parted the Red Sea. And the Red Sea was parted and the Israelites went through on dry ground, not muddy ground, dry ground. They didn't have to wear their muckers. They didn't have to wear their hip waders or their irrigation boots. They just went through on dry ground. Pharaoh charged in after them and the walls of water came down and killed off Pharaoh and the entire Egyptian army. That's what being one of God's chosen people looks like. That kind of protection. Everlasting life 
It's what being one of God's chosen people look like. And the Israelites have been God's chosen people. But now I want to show you the connection with you and I and with Abraham. How can we call Abraham our father? Maybe some of you, I think Jim said he's one one hundredth Hebrew right over there. So maybe Jim can. Ron, I think you've got some of that in you. But very few of us do. But here's the connection, and we're going to go to Romans chapter 9, verses 30 through 33. And this is the Apostle Paul, excuse me, I jumped ahead. Romans chapter 9, verse 6 through 8. The Apostle Paul is saying this. It is not though God's word has failed, for not all who are descendant from Israel are Israel. Think on that for a minute. Nor because they are the descendants are they all Abraham's children. So what he's saying is not everybody who came from Abraham... Israel, or God's chosen people. He's referring to Israel, meaning God's chosen people. He says not everybody who came from Abraham are God's chosen people, and not everybody who are God's chosen people came from Abraham. Is what he's saying, back and forth. He says, on the contrary, it is though Isaac that your offspring, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. In other words, it is not the children by physical descent who are God's children, but the children of the promise who are regarded as Abraham's offspring. So the covenant that God made between Abraham and his offspring don't necessarily mean his genetic line. I mean, it, it is his genetic line and not just his genetic line. So what Paul is telling us here is that the Gentiles, because of the promise of Jesus Christ, the promise that Christ made that through me you can come to the Father, because of that promise... We become part of Israel. We become part of the chosen. And then there are Israelites who don't accept that promise, who aren't part of the chosen, even though they are descendants of Abraham. That's what he's talking about here. So we go on down into Romans chapter 9, verse 30 through 33. He says, what then shall we say? That the Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have obtained it. See, the Mosaic law was given to the Hebrew people. That was the covenant that was given to them. If you keep these laws, you will be my chosen people. So they spent centuries pursuing righteousness by trying to live up to God's law. At times they did, at times they failed. And as a whole, if you look at Israel today, they are not a Christian nation. They don't believe the Messiah has ever come. Jesus says, only through me will you know come to the Father. So if they haven't accepted Him, they're not in communication with God right now. I think that'll change, but right now, they're not. So this is what Paul is saying. <clears throat> the Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have obtained it, have attained a righteousness that is by faith. But the people of Israel who pursued the law as the way of righteousness, have not attained their goal. Why not? Because they pursued it not by faith, but as if it were by works. They stumbled over the stumbling stone as prophesied. See, I lay in Zion a stone that causes people to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall, and the one who believes in him will never be put to shame. So as Christians, if we've accepted the promise of Jesus Christ... We are now part of the family of God. We are now part of God's chosen, which makes us spiritually Israel. That's something to remember. 
We are descendants of Abraham. We are now beneficiaries of his covenant. That's what Paul is telling us. So what are the benefits of being God's chosen? Well, I don't think that's changed. God protects his loved ones. He loves and protects his chosen. He's proven that. He proved it throughout the Old Testament over and over again. He fought for them. He protected them. He sent his one and only son to die for them. That all who believes will come to know him. So in that aspect, we are part of the Abraham covenant. I went as far this morning as to say perhaps we are now blood relatives of Abraham. Because Jesus' blood we bear. And Jesus' genealogy can be traced directly back to Abraham. So by accepting Jesus and by taking the blood that he gave at the cross, maybe that even makes us blood descendants of Abraham. With that being said, I believe that the Jewish nation is still favored. I believe God is still honoring his covenant there. But from what Paul says in Romans, I believe as Christians who have accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we are now beneficiaries of that same covenant. We fall under the protection of God. You can rest assured that God is looking out for you. If you have accepted him as your Lord and Savior, you can rest assured that you are preferred, you are chosen, you are among the elect. As we go into the end times, we hear a lot about the elect here and the elect. You are among the elect. So when I read in the old, or in the uh, end times prophecies that the armies of the world will be coming down on Israel, am I to take that to mean that they will literally be coming down on Israel, the country? Or will the armies of the Lord be coming down on the church, which is part of Israel? Well, I don't have an an answer one way or the other. I'm just trying to be open-minded about it. But when I look at the world today, it seems that the world is coming down on the church. When we're being told that we can't gather in this country, and this is nothing new, guys, in the world. Ron, you smuggled Bibles into places that weren't supposed to have Bibles for years. We don't know what persecution is here, but other parts of the world, the church has been persecuted for centuries. Now we're beginning to feel it here. And as we fall under persecution, I want you to rest assured that we are among the elect. We are God's chosen people. And there's benefits that go along with that. Benefits in being part of the Abraham covenant. And uh, with that being said, let's go ahead and close in a word of prayer. Dearly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day and we thank you for these who have come. And Lord, I lift up the prayer requests of the church as there are many, Lord. We've got praises as well, Lord. We found out, I found out this morning that Cheryl Jennings, you've healed her, Lord. Uh, She no longer has cancer, and we thank you for that, Lord. We thank you for answered prayers. But there are others, and we lift them up to you tonight. And I think specifically of the Ward family, as as Jackson has been given uh, a terminal diagnosis, Lord, and we just pray for them. I just pray for Jackson. We pray for his healing, Lord. Whether it be here on earth or whether it be in eternity, we know you are the great physician. You are the healer of all things, and we just pray for that. We pray your will be done, and I pray your special blessings upon his family and comfort for them. Lord, I just pray now that you be with the church, and Lord, watch over us and direct us in all things we, that we do. We pray that we do it for your glory. Lord, I pray that you be with us as we go to the fellowship time. 
lead, guide, and direct us. Thank you for the food. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you'd like to, but you're not really sure how, please feel free to email us at circle3podcast at gmail.com. Again, that's circle, the number three, podcast at gmail.com. We would love to help you out. If you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and click follow. That way you never miss a message. Cowboy churches are the fastest growing in the nation, so there's sure to be one near you if you'd like to try it out. Have a great day. See you next time. Thank you.